0: morning, everyone. It's lovely, to, uh, it's lovely to be here this morning. It's lovely to, again, just, just be together. I just loved our prayer with Ron just then. You know, we're part of such a bigger, wider family um, and a bigger, wider church, and it's just, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, currently, we are in our Fit for Purpose. There it is. I was looking for that. Thank you very much. Our Fit for Purpose series uh, where we're looking at who God is calling us to be as a church. uh, Today, here and now, are we fit? Are we ready for what is in front of us, uh, around us, um, and the kind of time and place that we are currently in? And so, today, uh, what I want to kind of spend a bit of time thinking on is this idea of truth. Um, thinking on truth, what is truth, where do we go for truth and all that kind of stuff. So uh, in your Bibles if you just kind of put a finger to uh, Ephesians 4 we're going to be spending uh, kind of time kind of mulling over uh, Ephesians 4 but I'm not quite there yet because my wife Ruth asked me this morning, Chris have you got a quiz today? Of course I've got a quiz. I always have a quiz in my preachers. We're talking about truth. So what are we are going to have? We're going to have a true or false quiz, all right? So first question today is, tomatoes are vegetables. True or false? false. Of course it's false. Of course it's false. It's a fruit. True or false? There are McDonald's on every single continent. True or false? false. Oh, someone said true or so false. It is false. Fortunately, there's none on the Antarctica yet, okay? <laughs> all right? Uh, but everywhere else, there is genuine McDonald's everywhere we go to. Uh, China is the world's most populous country. Yeah. It's true. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog has an actual name, true or false? Yeah, but another name than Sonic. Yeah, Mark. Thanks very much. All right. Yeah, lawyer there trying to see through all my stuff there. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. All right. Okay. I know he knows. He knows. All right. It is true, and it's not Sonic. His actual name is that old old V Morris Hedgehog. There we go. Random fact for Sonic the Hedgehog. That's my generation. I love a bit of Sonic. Uh, question: Brains have no fat in them. True or false? It is well done, Jeff. It is mainly fat. Okay, a 60% fat apparently. Uh, true or false? Pennies cost more to make than they are worth. True or false? It is true. Apparently, it's roughly twice as much. Um, this is a gross question, but apologies. Uh, cheese filled with live mag- maggots is a Mediterranean delicacy. True or false? False, so down here, okay. It is true. Apparently, casu marzu is a Sardinian cheese full of maggots that you have to wear goggles because the maggots jump, apparently. Um, It's just gross. Anyway, uh, if you took all of the blood vessels out of the human body, they would stretch around the world twice. True or false? It is true. True, it's true. Apparently, uh, 60,000 miles of blood vessels in each person, apparently. Uh, Tazkent is the capital of Kazakhstan. True or false? It is false. Well done, it is false. Does anyone know what it's the capital of? Ubekistan. all right? Kazakhstan's capital is Nur Sultan. And last question. Liverpool Football Club are the best football team in the world. Yeah. It's true, of course it's true, of course it's true, of course it's true. Uh, Kids ask me all the time, I've got a little Liverpool badge that I wear on my coat, um, and I walk into schools and kids are always like, Liverpool, Liverpool, what, or who do you support? And it's like, I support literally the best team in the world, because literally they are the best team in the world. They're the club world champions. (laughs) But honestly, some of those questions, I'm probably going to have people come up to me afterwards and say, actually, that question is incorrect, all right? Um, But... There are some questions that we know are factual. There are some questions that we know for sure, definite, 100%, it is either true or it's false, you know, because it's based on that kind of factual stuff that we see around us. There are lots of questions, though, which that last one especially might be true for me, but could be false for you. Actually, the kind of, it might, you might say Charlton, and then we just laugh in your face, Paul, okay, because obviously that's not the case. And, you know, we might say other things. We might be my new fans, you know, we might be Whatever. That question might be true for me, but it might be not true for you. See, that question might actually have no relevance in your life whatsoever that already you just switch off, all right? It's like, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's neither true, it's neither false. It has no relevance. And so then we don't go any further in maybe investigating the truth that is in front of us. See, we live in a world where whatever we believe can be true, Except one thing, which is, it's intolerance, isn't it? You know, you can believe whatever you want, except if your belief is not intolerant of everyone else's. I was reading an article yesterday from the National Director of the Evangelical Alliance in, in the UK. And he was saying about, um, in Scotland, Franklin Graham is about to do a tour. You know, and regardless of what we feel about him or where we stand, agree, disagree. You know, a lot of the venues that were about to host him have cancelled their booking and not allowed to do it. Chicka Filler is a restaurant in America that is owned by a Christian uh, family, you know, and his kind of views are very against a particular group of people. And they tried to open a restaurant in London, and they didn't get their rent extended simply because of his religious beliefs, even though it's a chicken restaurant that's got nothing to do with that. But because of his views, because of their views, their intolerance to everyone else, we're seeing a lot of things you know, being, being cancelled or you know, being ostracised. You can believe whatever you want to believe is true, except one thing. See, people are desperate for truth, but only if it fits in their mould. You know, only if it fits and I agree with it. Yeah, that's true if I agree with it. I, I want truth. I'm seeking truth. But only if I agree with that truth. Or what we see is we see bother, people that are not really bothered. You know, they're not really bothered, they just accept what's in front of them. You know, we, whether it's because, you know, they, they just, you're more cleverer than me, you're smarter than me, you seem wiser than me, you must know what you're talking about. Yeah, i believe that. So we find these kind of differences. You know, we're living in a time of so many different truths, what actually do people kind of believe in? Bob Dylan once said, all the truth in the world adds up to one big lie, <laughs> all right? Is it that depressing? Is it really that bad? You know, more people are a little bit more optimistic in their, in their kind of outlook, which is good. But nevertheless, many today would doubt this idea of an absolute truth, a truth that is true no matter what. See, we live in this un- uncertain world, which we kind of mentioned on earlier. You know, and we live in a world of lot uncertainty. And I think when we come to truth, because of the... You know, this lack of belief in maybe an absolute truth. There's a lot of uncertainty, especially for kids growing up. You know, their questions are often met with confusing or very vague, you know, kind of answers. You know, is there a God? Probably. Maybe. Who knows? You know, where did every everything come from? You know, well, we think the Big Bang triggered everything, but apart from that, we can't say for sure. I'm not saying this is what I believe, by the way, or this is what I say. But, you know, how do I know what is right or wrong? You know, there's no absolute morality, do what you feel, feel what's good for you, what happens when I die, probably something, who knows, no one knows, just live your life to the fullest. You know, we're living in a world of such uncertainty, especially for our kids, you know, this idea of a truth and an absolute truth and a truth that is true regardless of what you think, feel or believe, you know, it, it can become like a bit of a, maybe a dirty word, I don't know. We live in a world of such uncertainty, where do we find that Hope, that truth, that grounding, that firm foundation, that firm footing. And this is where Jesus obviously comes in. So Jesus is so key. Jesus is so, so key on this quest, on this search, on this understanding of truth. In the Bible it says loads and loads and loads about Jesus and truth. Jesus himself called him the way, the truth and the life in John 14. Jesus is full of truth, you know, in terms of the things that he's saying in those different references. Jesus told the truth. He also taught the way of God in truth. You know, he taught about truth and he came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Not a vagueness of truth, but the truth. In that last version, in that last uh, verse, sorry, John 18, he's talking to Pontius Pilate before he's about to be, you know, crucified. And so he came to Pontius Pilate and he said, I'm to bear witness to the truth. Not an old truth, not any truth, not a wishy-washy truth, but the truth. You know, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. It's the truth. That's what he says later in verse 38. The truth. But then Pilate responds with, you know, well, what is truth, you know? And again, he has right in front of him the truth, the definite, definitive truth of life in front of him. Ah, what is truth? It's a very vague, it's a very indefinite, it's this kind of realms of, you know, just who knows what. But thankfully, there are so, there are are answers, you know, to kind of Pilate's question. There are answers to, you know, people genuine search and finding and trying to understand truth. But Jesus is so important, so, so important when it comes to truth. And do we know him? Do we know him? Do we believe the truth of Jesus in our lives? Do we believe that he is for us, for you? Something that Paul said earlier, you know, he loves the world. Yeah, totally. Truth. But he also is for you. He loves you. See, when Paul was talking last week about the, the whole idea of belonging and the different things that get in the way, I was really struck with this kind of picture of me within the church. And one of the things that I found got in the way of you know, my kind of understanding of being a part was actually I took it for granted of the things around me. You know, the, the way I was raised and I've always grown up in the church. I've always known Jesus, you know, and I've been surrounded by such beauty. I've kind of taken for granted the beauty of Jesus, you know, and I don't know if that's similar to you. You know, do you do we know that? Do we believe that? Yes, we do know it. It's truth. We know it. But actually, do we do we know it? Do we know it? Do we spend time cultivating this relationship that we have with him, that is possible with him only through what he did? Do we rest in that love? Because it's so important on this quest, on this search for truth. Because the fact that you know Jesus, the fact that I know Jesus, the fact that many people around the world know Jesus, means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. See, there is unity with Jesus. And that's where this passage of Ephesians 4 kind of comes in. This unity that we have with Jesus, and that's a really important thing that I want to try and kind of touch on this morning. In Ephesians 4, just these three verses, make every effort to keep the unity of of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus and he seems to be concerned with this perception that has kind of arisen through the kind of different believers, the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers. You know, either that the Gentile believers are inferior of of the others or, you know, these Jewish believers are very distinct and different. And there's this kind of concern that they're not, you know, fully part of God's new Israel. And actually this kind of ethnic tension was being seen throughout you know, the Roman world at the time. There was a divide, or at the very least, a beginning of one, which is actually a really significant thing in what God was wanting to do. See, we know that God is truth, right? We know that in Scripture, you know, time and time again. It even says that He cannot lie. God is truth, okay? But there is one who can lie and does lie. You know, Jesus said this in John 8. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, the father of all lies. See, there is one who does lie. And he does lie time and time again. And he lies to kind of disrupt what God has done, what God has created. He tries lies to kind of cause division, to kind of separate, to split, to get our focus of what god is either saying or what god is doing he loves to kind of affect and infiltrate and poison and you know what god is trying to you know achieve or do and not that puts them on equal par cuz of course it doesn't but he does that in, in people's lives through doubt, through fear, through worry, through anxiety. Suicide rates for males are just sky high at the moment. It's sad. It's awful. Destruction, you know, tearing apart. And he does that through division as well. He wants to divide. He wants to divide us in our friendships. He wants us to divide in our marriages. What God has created, something so beautiful and amazing and such an example of, you know, this relationship. He wants to divide and tear it apart. And we're living in a time where we're seeing such divide across our nations. I am this, and I am this, and I am that, and I am this, and I am that. It's such a division across the world. Allowing the things that we identify, actually, just to cause complete split. When we see it in the church over certain things, just like when Paul wrote this letter to Ephesians. This is just a different translation, it's the Passion Translation. And I just love this first verse in it where it says, Be faithful to God, the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in bonds of peace. Be faithful to God. See, in my part of my role, a lot of young people ask me, You know, Chris, are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? Or, you know, what denomination are you part of? And I always really have always really struggled to answer that question, just simply because, you know, I've never really known, if I'm honest with you. I grew up in a URC church, a United Reformed Church, but it wasn't a typical United Reformed Church in terms of beliefs and how we acted. Because my dad, who was the leader of the church, was baptized in the Holy Spirit quite early on in his ministry. And so it became very charismatic, it became very evangelical, which is not, not necessarily sorry, sorry, something you would see in the URC church. URC church. He felt the Lord really ask him to stay in there. And so he was kind of often ostracized and treated as a bit of a black sheep. But, you know, as a church, you know, we, we, we were part of a denomination that we didn't necessarily identify. And so it was weird. You know, I've been involved in Youth for Christ since I was about 15 years old. You know, I've been involved in lots of different ways. I've had input and connections from many different people, from many different churches. I've been involved in many different churches, from different backgrounds, with different ways of worship, or different ways of leadership. You know, I've gone to retreats that I've been led by different people from different backgrounds, in different ways. You know, and so, what part or what denomination do you belong to? I don't have a clue. (laughs) I don't have a clue, because there's all these differences, but... There is one important similarity, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I remember sitting in a Catholic retreat once for young people, and we were sitting in a corner and in, in, in a circle. And, and our, they were, the way that these Catholic youth leaders were doing stuff, it was like I do, I'm doing this, I'm doing the exact same thing. I was in a Catholic primary school this on Monday, just gone doing an assembly. And the teacher was talking to me about the year sixes that have just gone through this beginning of confirmation and baptism kind of process. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, do you know what? I've got so many major differences in my theology with you. I've got so many differences in terms of how we do stuff and how we go about things. But at the very end, she prayed for these young people to increase in their faith. And I'm standing at the front of the assembly and I'm going, amen, amen. Amen. I want those kids to grow in faith. I want them to know who God is. I want them to know who Jesus is. Despite my differences in terms of how we do things, I want them to grow in their faith. Yes, major differences, but the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit, this unity, the bonds and peace of Jesus that we have in common. See, as we grow as a church, as in Beck, we grow in different backgrounds your background's different to my background your culture that you've grown up in is different to my culture there's different way of doing things how you've gone about whether that's because of a generation or because of you know other ways you know the different dif- there's loads of differences there's loads of different truths small t there's loads of differences and that's one thing that's going to come more and more as we grow as a church loads of differences so it's important that we know truth capital t It is important that we know truth. The truth that we all stand on that all brings us together. But actually, as a church, are we open and willing to chat through some of these differences maybe that we have, but we still believe that Jesus is Lord? Because we're in unity. Let's be faithful to guard that because of what we see the enemy trying to do. Let's walk together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Walk together in fellowship because of what we believe in rather than the things that we are different in. There's a book that um, Erica gave me to read, and there's a little bit in here. I just want to paint a picture of the church. Uh, so, Richard Foster, when he was having, who uh, wrote Celebration of Discipline, he had a big retreat. And he spent like 18 months of sabbatical, and God gave him this vision of the church. And this is what it says it says, Right now, we largely remain a scattered people. This has been the condition of the church of Jesus Christ for a good many years. But a new thing is coming. God is gathering his people once again, creating in them an all-inclusive community of loving persons with Jesus Christ as the community's prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. I see a people, even though it feels like I'm peering through a glass darkly. I see a country pastor from Indiana embracing an urban priest from New Jersey, praying together for the peace of the world. I see people. I see a Catholic monk from the hills of Kentucky standing alongside a Baptist evangelical from the streets of Los Angeles and together offering offering up a sacrifice of praise. I see a people. I see social activists from the urban centres of Hong Kong joining with Pentecostal preachers from the barrios of San Paolo and together weeping over the spiritually lost and the plight of the poor. I see a people. I see labourers from Soweto and landowners from Pretoria honouring and serving each other out of reverence for Christ. I see a people. I see a Hutu and a Tutsi, a Serb and a Croat, a Mongol and a Han Han Chinese, an African American, an Anglo, Latino, Native American, all sharing and caring and loving one another. I see a people. I see the sophisticated standing with the simple, the elite standing with the dispossessed, the wealthy standing with the poor. I see a people. Even Jesus prayed for the unity of his people. In John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who believe in me through this message that all of them may be one, Father, just as, are, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Unity. Together, regardless of our differences, are we faithful to guard that or do we allow the differences to cause division? See, in Ephesians 14, it goes on. Paul kind of writes, and he's describing the differences, the different gifts that kind of we have within the church. And it goes from verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, as a church we're all called to grow, aren't we? We're called to mature in our faith, you know, we're called to kind of grow within our faith. But do you know what the most important thing that I get out of this bit of Scripture? is together. See, the gifting that God has given you is different maybe to the gifting that God has given me. The gifting that the person next to you might be similar to the, to the gifting, but we all are different parts. We've all got different parts in the church. We're called to grow together. We're called to grow within our faith together. I think that is really, really key. See, ultimately, do we want truth in our life? do we want truth? Do we want our truth or do we want his truth? Where do we go for truth? Who do we go to for truth? Do we have confidence in the truth of the word of God? Do we have confidence in his truth? Do we seek his truth? Do we bring ourselves under his truth? Even if we disagree or it doesn't feel right or, you know, it's like, oh, I don't... Do we submit and bring all that we are and all that we have under his truth? Do we believe that what he has for us is for the best of us, for us? You know, do we bring ourselves under that? One of the things recently that I've been trying to do in this new year, you know, is, is am I surra- what am I surrounding myself with? Not out of religiousness, but out of is it benefit, beneficial to me? You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about everything's, you know, permissible, but not everything's beneficial. And so what am I surrounding myself? What truth am I surrounding myself with? And so I've been spending a lot of time in the car listening to podcasts. There have been certain TV shows that I've kind of turned off just simply because is it beneficial to me? Is the truth that I'm seeing, hearing, listening, is it benefic- beneficial to me and my growth in this call to mature and to grow? Our National Director of, of, of British Youth for Christ, Neil bull, has written a book called... Uh, uh, under construction, and there's a chapter in it titled Floorboards, and he goes to talk about when we become Christians, Jesus takes up the old floorboards that have been in our lives, and he kind of is relaying it and comparing it to old beliefs, old truths, and actually what we do is when we bring ourselves under him, he begins to lay new floorboards, new beliefs, new truths, because when we know the truth of God and who he is, then we have the confidence in who God calls us to be. See, we're called to grow. I've said this before, but God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die in your place. But he loves you so much that he doesn't want us to stay in that place. He wants us to grow and be all that we can be in him. See, in the parable of the sower that Jesus taught, the seeds that failed were the seeds that had no roots or were choked by weeds. See, we need to pursue God's truth in our life so that our roots go deep. They go deep. Or remove the weeds in our life so we're not choked. And that, for me, was the one that really challenged me at the start of this year. What are, my, what are the, some of the weeds in my life that I'm allowing to grow, and actually, do I do I take them? Do you know what I mean? Do I do I remove them? You because know, I want to grow. I don't want to be stunted. I don't want to be s- choked by those things. And actually, it might involve some really hard truths. That famous movie, you know, A Few Good Men. You know, you can't handle the truth. That famous scene. Can we handle the truth of God? See, verse 15 in this passage talks about growing, going deeper. That's part of our Jubilee vision, isn't it? As a church, 2025, Jubilee vision, we're called to grow, we're called to get bigger, further, and deeper. Do you want that? Do we bring ourselves before Him and allow the Holy Spirit to speak? Do we ask for His wisdom? Do we ask for that revelation? Romans 12 talks about the being transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, asking for wisdom isn't just about the listening. It's also about the doing. Do we do the things that we're challenged and called to do? See, we need to take the Word of God seriously. I love the Word of God. See, we need to read it. We need to ponder it. We need to digest it. We need to meditate on it. We need to talk about it. Whether it's at the dinner table, whether it's in the car, we need to understand the big picture, as in take it as an apple. We eat an apple as a whole thing, don't we? You know, we've got to take it as a big picture, but we've also got to look at the detail, maybe like an orange, take it in segments. You know, we've got to understand both things. We've got to understand the context of the time, and we've also got to apply it into our lives. We've got to fill our hearts with the good stuff, the truth, instead of the junk that we often do. Our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world are desperate for this book. Desperate. Are willing to risk it all for it. Do we pursue God's truth? The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Do we pursue it? But also, it might involve people. It might involve people that maybe you wouldn't even normally listen to. Because sometimes that might challenge the perception. And obviously, we've got to be careful. Let's ask for wisdom. Let's ask for discernment. We've got to be careful of who we listen to. But sometimes those challenges actually cement the truth that we already have. No, I don't, I don't, no this is what I believe, you know. Do we, are we allowing people in our lives to challenge us? See, I'm thankful for the people in my life who love me and accept me just as I, I am. But I'm also thankful for the people who love me and accept me, but are also love me enough to willing to call me out on the times when I'm out of order, the times when I'm walking in pride, the times when I'm walking in whatever. Yes, we're called to be a church of grace, we're called to be distinct. So that might involve challenge. That might, might involve growth. That might involve discipleship. That kind of might involve this high invitational, come be apart, part, but also high accountability that we looked at earlier in the year. Do we want this? It's not easy. What did it say? Speak the truth in love. Do we sit in the judgment seat? See, part of the challenge of working one another, discipling one another, helping one another to grow and be all that we can be in Christ might call, might involve us calling out some of the things that we see, but do we sit in judgment? Do we sit in judgment? Do we sit and we, do we judge people in terms of how they're acting, what they're thinking, how they believe in? or do we get alongside them and speak the truth in love knowing that actually I'm just as bad as you, <laughs> you know? I have my own faults and failings. You know, I'm not a perfect person. Far, 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 far from it. So, we're called to be disciples who make disciples. And that involves walking alongside people, not above them. Walking alongside them. Speaking the truth in love is such an important thing. Not about being quick to point out failings, mistakes, or just being critical for critical sake. But it's about growth. Speak the truth in love and as a church I want to encourage us to be a church of that is faithful to you know to kind of guard this unity by knowing Jesus more because when we know Jesus more you know we we allow more of him we allow more of him and actually that affects how we interact how we respond do we allow our differences to get in the way of that or do we do we seek to guard the unity that we see around us. Let's be open to have the conversations, discussions so that we can grow. You're a part of this. This isn't just about me telling you what to do. This is about us together. Discussions so that we can grow. And it might be that we disagree, but can we disagree in unity? Let's be people that focus on the thing that we have in common, Jesus, rather than the thing that we don't. Give in glory in all things. Let's be seekers of the truth. Sometimes that is hard, but let's be seekers of the truth. I'm going to pray for us. Ben, do you want to come up on the stage? Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord God, that you are truth. Lord, that you are truth. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that your heart is for us. Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us in our walk with you, Lord, that we would know you more, that we would know you more, that we would have a deeper revelation of who you are. Lord God, that you would draw us closer with you, that you would reveal more of your truth within our life. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would take the steps that we need to take, as opposed to, to know your truth more. Father, help us to to walk in the ways that you have for us. Help us to, to do the things that you maybe are challenging us to do, to know your truth more. Lord, help us to be open and willing and honest to chat about some of these things. And Lord, to be able to speak truth, but speak it in love, to walk alongside one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. May we know you more. As a church, Lord, I pray and ask, Lord, that you would help us to, to grow. Lord, not for our own sake, Lord God, but for your glory, to point people to you, to show people to you, to tell people more of who you are, to be distinct in a world, Lord, that is surrounded and, Lord, and drowning in lots of sense in this uncertainty. Lord, in you we have such a firm foundation, a firm footing. So Lord, help us to show that, to be that. Lord, help us to know that ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray.